Medicine Podcast, <laughs> and we are Dr. Rob Malcolm and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki. It is our the mission of our podcast is to bring awareness to the public at large about the many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, mind, and spirit, from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. And tonight we are honored to have our guest, Dr. Clayton Shu, a friend of mine colleague, instructor, and founder of the Shu Clinic, the first neuroscience-based acupuncture clinic in Manhattan. Dr. Shu, welcome, and tell us about your experiences in the world of medicine, Asian medicine. How did you get started? Hi, guys. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for having me on the broadcast. Um, it's my honor to be here. Um, I love what you guys are doing. Um, so uh, I got started in Chinese medicine around like the 70s and um i was exposed really on to acupuncture and tai chi and pretty much um got a very early head start i would say in america just just having like hands-on training so i would study like tai chi and then i would like basically learn toying up pulse reading um how to hold the body how to use um acupuncture uh, with patients and stuff. So eventually I got a physiology degree from Boston University and entered into Chinese medicine school, which was actually developing in America still. Um, and at that point, as I kept evolving, um, I kept evolving with it. So I got like a sports medicine practice. I was treating like Mets players and different professional athletes and traveling around the country. Um, and so I had a very successful sports medicine practice in New York City. And then eventually I actually left America, walked away from a very um, successful practice and went to China. Uh, what happened was I actually met one of the godfathers of acupuncture. His name is Dr. Shui Min, and he is featured in the uh, documentary, 9,000 Needles. And it documents the, uh, the path and healing of a stroke uh, patient and how he traveled to Tianjin, China and was able to walk um, after 9,000 Needles. So, and just by, just by uh, friends and luck, a lot of luck, I met Dr. Shershui Min in Scottsdale, Arizona, and there I uh, trained with him, and he invited me on a full scholarship to do my doctorate at the first teaching hospital in China. So, um, so that's how I got into it. That's amazing. And and did you find that it was very different being there? Like, what were some of the adversities that you found, or did you just fit right in? Oh, no. Um, you know, you when you're an international student, 
you have to learn how to follow uh, new rules, especially in a different country. And, you know, China is a communist country and everything. And, and uh, the whole hospital setting was different than what we have um, in America and how we teach. So there was uh, many interns um, kind of vying for a chance to even to give acupuncture or give healing to a patient. So um, whereas in America, you'll have your chance the third or fourth year and you'll get your own patients. You know, in China, you really have to work for it. You're competing. It's very competitive. So you, you really have to like work hard and then you're given a chance to needle a patient. And if you didn't needle them well, you kind of will have a second chance two or three months later <laughs> because there's a long line of uh, people that really want to prove themselves too. I mean, you know, and an acupuncturist in China, they can study to prescribe like antibiotics. They can, you know, prescribe x-rays, MRIs, do blood work, whereas we're a little bit more limited here. So seeing how acupuncture can really merge and integrate with Western medicine was definitely a treasure to see in China. Clayton, how did you get involved in neurological condition treatments? Can you hear me, Clayton? Sorry, we're having some tough technical difficulties today. Can you hear us, Clayton? So somehow, uh, I think the it was muted. Your mic was muted. Rob, could you say that? <clears throat> yeah, I was wondering, uh, so you went to China, and you worked at the first teaching hospital of Tianjin, and you got more into neurological treatments versus the sports medicine you were doing. Tell us about that transition. Yeah, so the amazing thing about seeing neurological treatments in China is, especially in the hospital I was at, uh, is that if you have a patient with severe conditions like MS or Parkinson's or, um, you know, even ALS and stuff, so like because they're living in the hospital on certain wings, you can actually see what the right number of acupuncture sessions can do to help a patient. Um, when you start a practice in America, you you may see a patient once a week or once every couple of months. And the thing is, if you have like a nerve entrapment or a herniated disc, you know, you really have to have the patient come in uh, like three times a week, something like that for, you know, maybe a month, maybe two months. And seeing that without the nervousness of asking a patient, okay, I think you should come in more often. <laughs> like in China, it was like, you just go every day until you can walk again, you can talk again, you can speak again. So I think that's a huge struggle here with trying to get that message across that in at the onset of care, more frequent treatments are necessary. And, and I think that we try and keep reiterating that, that there is that need in the beginning to come more frequently. I think there's the, this unrealistic expectation that people have here in the West of like, oh, I'm going to come once a week. And it's like, no, you really need to have a, a better treatment plan. Right, right. Exactly. And also, like, 
because you're treating the nerve, sometimes you're treating um, a stroke uh, and, you know, damage to the brain, you're really trying to promote healthy blood flow um, to the brain. And that it's just different than spraining an ankle, basically, and getting done in a couple of days. It's not going to happen. So with when you treat stroke or neurological conditions, you're really looking at every 10, 20, 30 sessions to really evaluate, okay, did we make progress or not? Versus when you have, you know, you just acutely sprained your ankle or threw your back out, you may be recovering very quickly because the damage is not as severe and the tissue is different that we're needling too. So it was nice to see in a, in a true hospital setting where patients will stay for a month, two months, three months, the arc of how getting more sessions actually helps. And it actually, uh, you get dividends and huge returns back, you know. So I would definitely say to patients listening, uh, when you see your acupuncturist, you know, they're really trying to help you. They're, they're, they're actually really about wellness. I think that's the beautiful thing about our profession. Um, we didn't get into this trying to earn like a surgeon's salary, you know. We we got into this because we really cared and we had our own either personal healing experience with it where we were exposed to a great doctor of Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine or whatever you whatever it could be. And that's usually why a person like us gets into, I would say, holistic wellness medicine. So healing. yeah. So exactly. Uh, um, in your practice, you use somewhat of an integrated approach when you're when you're caring for patients. And to me, um, an integrated approach goes beyond just the needles. You might be using some of the other adjunct therapies. Um, do you focus your treatments primarily on acupuncture and herbs? Um, what's the integrated approach for you in your clinic when you're seeing patients? Yeah, so we have a... If you're coming to us specifically for our neurological type programs that we offer, we have what's basically, a, I call it like an immersion program. So if we know that you've had concussions or may have brain fog <clears throat> or may have like um, even like like um, like Alzheimer's or early dementia, like what we recommend is in the beginning, we'll do a full neurological evaluation. But then we'll, when we say integrate, we'll actually get a full QEEG brain scan, um, and we'll actually scan the brain and get images of your brain and where the inflammation or circulation is good or bad. And then after we do that, we explain it to you in a report, um, a very detailed report where the, the slides are as accurate as like a functional MRI. Um, <clears throat> it'll show you which parts of the brain needs stimulation or circulation and then we'll pick a plan and our plans are usually based on the Shinao Kai Chao system which means awaken the spirit and open the orifices uh, that was taught by Dr. Shi Shui Min and then adapted into what's called the nanopuncture neuroflush system which allows us to take components of it to stimulate healthier blood flow. So after you get through one month of treatment, and assuming you need this kind of treatment, we'll do a reevaluation of your brain again, and we may reevaluate reevaluate you in different ways as well. We may look at your blood work, 
Um, we also use what's called photobiomodulation, which is very cutting edge now, but works beautifully with acupuncture, in which case we'll use, uh, it's called red light therapy, or basically a red light uh, low level laser, which can help stimulate healthy circulation to the nerve and brain as well. And pulsing of the light at, at what's called the gamma frequency, which is basically anything that pulses 40 times per second, whether it's light or sound can actually be helpful for dissolving deposits in the brain, whether it's from Parkinson's or conditions like Alzheimer's. So we have a, we use light in this way. So we use photobiomodulation, local lasers, and we have what's called a, it's actually called a, a region pub, which it looks like almost like a, like a tanning booth, but you can lay in it and it actually will shine around your whole body. And it's great for sports recovery, but it's amazing. It actually gives a lot of energy to our patients who have like Parkinson's, MS, stroke and concussion, and it actually helps reset the ATP in their mitochondria. So, so when we say integrate, we definitely go through from the far east to the far west. <laughs> you know, so. combining both. And I love that you're getting yeah. that scan of the brain later on in the care, because I don't know necessarily that that's often done like when someone goes and sees their neurologist, how often are they scanning to see for changes in the brain? And and it's something concrete that you can show your patients, like here's how your brain has changed since we started the acupuncture. Yeah, exactly. We, we definitely want to have objective findings that we can both as the patient and the, the doctor and staff see, and then we use that to gauge our progress and stuff. And it's kind of interesting. The more we do it and we think of meridians, we think of the nerve pathways and we think of basically like wiring in a house. You know, you're going to reset the circuit breakers. You're going to reset the wiring in the house um, so that like maybe you need to like put two plugs better together. Maybe you need to re-insulate the wire, you know. And so medicine is a little bit like that. You know, you're you're really trying to get the most out of your body. Um, and you really want to have longevity, but it, it doesn't happen by itself. It takes effort. So, so I practice Tai Chi, and one of the things my Tai Chi master always says is, is to relax and to rest takes great effort. It's not a, it's not a passive thing. So, yeah. And and I think that's something that we'll have to get into at a, at another time. But between oh, yeah. and Figure. all the things that people you know need to kind of teach themselves how to do and what it is and what it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about also that you, um, on your website, it talks about that you do a lot of work, um, pre and post surgery, which we really haven't gotten into yet because we haven't covered any topics that talk about that, um, and how important it is if you have a surgery coming up and you know that that's happening, not something that comes up in an emergency situation, which right. in the case you would need to do the acupuncture afterwards. But I like that you talk on your website about how important it is pre and, and post-surgery when you know you're having surgery to get treated. Yeah, so um, I, our, my office is in a very fortunate area. There's like 10 major famous hospitals that that are operating uh within like a 20 block radius. So uh, one of them is like hospital for special surgery. And I've worked a lot with the patients that um, 
that have needed like hip replacements or knee replacements or, you know, robotic arm repair, stuff like that. So what I had learned was that you can do this amazing um, protocol. It's very simple. Your acupuncturist can do it um, where we stimulate, like if you need a hip replacement, actually put acupuncture needles into the ankle and the foot and then a couple local points in the hip. And if we do this about like four weeks, even if it's just once a week before your surgery, after you get the full hip replacement, your foot and ankle will not swell up, not easily or not at all. So, and that's pretty amazing because usually it's like a waterfall where, where the procedure is done. So what you're doing is you're, you're preemptively prepping the body for that surgical procedure with these you know, micro needles um, that are as thin as your hair. And just by doing that, your body will know what to do. It'll control inflammation very naturally. It'll control circulation in the lymphatic system. And you'll start to feel the patient can recover much more quickly. It's almost as if they, the doctors are usually shocked. They're like, okay, that's pretty unusual. You don't have inflammation, you know, <laughs> like after the procedure. Um, so it's great. And I highly recommend it. Like if you, if you know you have a procedure, any kind of surgical procedure done, definitely contact your acupuncturist and have them work on, on that local body part. Um, yeah, I recently yeah. just had a patient who had a hip replacement and, um, this is the first time I've had a patient with a hip replacement that they went in through the front of the thigh. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. um, little like no PT whatsoever afterwards was recommended. Um, she was someone who had come to me in the past for different things and mm -hmm. immediately, you know, she was like, no, I think I need to do this to make sure like she had read all these <clears throat> different things about how after hip replacement, you could have permanent um, neuropathy going on and all of that stuff. And she did say like in the first week, she felt that feeling of neuropathy, a lot of that burning, yeah. We did needles and moxa and within a couple of weeks she was good to go. Right. Yeah. And that's the beauty of just adding a couple points and moxa bustion is amazing because it provides a lot of energy, you know, to the area to heal. So yeah. And it's interesting because you'll I'm sure like you've seen this in your practice too, but there will be like a marathon runner who's never sprained his ankle, you know, and Maybe just a arthroscopic surgery in his knee, and then the whole thigh looks different right after <laughs> that. That very should be straightforward procedure, and that's because his body has just never been flustered, never been tested, um, never sprained his ankle once. And then age, you know, fifty-five or something, um, you know, he'll he'll get that injury, and so that's where having the acupuncture done before and after will help control and maintain um like healthy circulation for that patient yeah so um so and you, you kind of talked about this already that the the treatment in in china versus here is different in the sense that it's it's assumed that it'll be more frequent in china when you have yeah and I think also like in the case of, um, let's say for like stroke patients, um, in America, if someone gets like a stroke patient, they basically, uh, they will basically get um, released from the hospital, usually on the day of or within a couple of days. So 
Now, let me let me just close this because I think this is coming from my end. Okay. Sorry about that. <clears throat> no, that's okay. We're all so, trying to figure out where the noise was coming from. Yeah, I have a little uh, my uh, my little pandemic puppy here, so <laughs> she uh, she's trying to get attention. So. Oh, <laughs> bring her on. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so yeah, so and usually what happens in America, uh, unfortunately, we get released a little too quickly. Um, from the emergency room or from the hospital, um, a lot of times it's because, unfortunately, with American medicine, it's kind of like when you go to the mechanic, not American, but like Western medicine, like you go to the mechanic, if it doesn't make a sound, they're going to be like, well, there's nothing to treat, you know, and with acupuncture and like holistic medicine, we're not really looking just for that one target spot. We're looking for other changes and other patterns that tell us why this happened like was it your you know could it be your cholesterol or was it the digestive system that was off and we have our formulas for that too uh, in china if you had a stroke and you went to the hospital you're going to be in there a minimum like 17 to like almost like 24 days <clears throat> in which case they're observing you they're testing you and so you you actually have a lot more attention to care because a lot of times with these kind of events um, there are symptoms one week later. Um, whenever anyone has a stroke, there's there's like a two-month window where there might be a second stroke that could happen. So we definitely want to get patients past the two, three-month window. Um, and so a lot of times in my practice, it's almost like we're, we're in some ways almost like a concierge kind of uh, department, like our medicine Um because we, we will look for and help you develop your own medical team. You know, you may get acupuncture for us, <clears throat> but I always have patients who actually always ask me, do you know a great neurologist? Or now they can't speak, do you have a speech therapist? You know, and so we have our own personal Rolodex of like speech therapists who we've used even when there was the pandemic and, um, you know, people couldn't leave their homes and everything. But we could still send you a speech therapist through Zoom that you can practice with, you know. Right. So I find that as a specialty, we've developed many different connections where we've learned the vernacular of how to teach, how to talk and communicate to other professionals, whether it's a physical therapist and you're talking about nerve glides or whether you're talking to a speech therapist and you're talking about AOS or speech aphasia. We've, we've learned to educate ourselves. And I find that um, many acupuncturists, my colleagues, like, like both of you and others who I've trained, like we've learned the vocabulary and the medical terminology of other professionals so that we can share with them what we find, you know? So, yeah. I think that's something that not everybody realizes <laughs> that, you know, if I, we have to learn Western terminology, but no one, you know, on the opposite end, they're not necessarily learning the vocabulary right. that we use, right? But in order to get, you know, to be able to communicate that we ha we have to go that extra mile and learn all of those other things that go with whatever your specialty is. Like in my case, it's gynecology. Knowing all the right. terminology because someone who comes in isn't going to say, "I have blood stagnation in my abdomen." They're going to say, "You know, my doctor diagnosed me with this," and you have right. to know how to then. Put it into that terminology so that you're speaking that language exactly and that's so important because we we can do so much for a postpartum patient or for a patient who has like prostatitis you know 
Um, There's just so much we can do. There's so much history and knowledge uh, that helps them, right? So, and of course, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you you go to your acupuncturist for that Hail Mary pass of, (laughs) you know, like, like the famous point, like, there's a green baby, right? Like, of course. Our go-to thing is always to massage a needle and do moxibustion on the pinky toe, right? Right. And it's amazing because there are hospitals that use it now. But so because it's so effective, it's not the Hail Mary pass. It's more like you better do this before your third trimester because otherwise that baby is a little too big to spin around now. You know, <laughs> like right. so. And I think it's focusing that on more on like the labor prep part of it is is something that's important and not waiting until you know my doctor is going to induce me tomorrow is there anything that you can do <laughs> um and and seeing our medicine more as oh yeah preventative and being yeah. able to yeah and that's the thing is right exactly we're so we're so hands-on and actually western medicine can be very hands-on um you know, there are there are belly techniques that a Western doctor used to do more proficiently where they use their hands and they will manipulate the baby through um, the belly of the mother, too. Right. It's just not practiced so much. It's um, everything's been very like departmentalized, um, which is great because when it works, it's like, a you know, from A to Z, it gets the job done. But right. like. At the same time, um, it can be slow, and sometimes, you know, you're in the wrong department, and you got to switch back to another department. So, so there's pros and cons, right, to both. So, but even within, I find that within our medicine, even though a lot of us specialize in certain things, that the underlying is that we're still treating the whole person. Where other other special yes. other specialties in Western medicine. They may specialize, like someone is a wrist surgeon, you go in and you have surgery on your wrist and you come out and that's it. Whereas then that person comes to us, sure, I'm going to needle the wrist, but I might needle the corresponding ankle. I'm going to needle the whole body because the stress of the surgery and I want you to heal from it. Those kind of things that when we say specialties, we're still treating the whole person that's in front of us and the pattern that is in front of us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The pattern um, is very important, right? In Chinese medicine, because it, it's kind of like the before, it's like a script where there's a before, a middle and an after <laughs> kind of thing. And, and, and a lot of things in our life follows a pattern. You know, you, you don't have a chronic issue unless you followed a pattern. <laughs> it's like you did something very efficiently and correctly. For a very long time, <laughs> and it's our job to efficiently untie that pattern, basically. Right. And so, and that's yeah. the other misconception because I, I, again, I always say that you know everyone says that we're the you're my last resort. You were the last one I came to, and I always and I say this on the podcast. I say this in my own practice when patients come in. If I could make you better in one visit, I would charge a thousand dollars for that one visit. I would see. Right. 20 people a week and I would take the rest of the month. Off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it does we, take time. We usually should be the first. We should technically be the first group to see right. the patient, you know, more the, about prevention. Yeah. You know, I'd like to get people to see us as preventative medicine before you get right. sick because 
something is always under the surface. Under the surface, I feel like stress comes in, it yeah. you know, disrupts the harmony, and we can help mm-hmm. move that stress out. Well, we can see it first. Yeah, <clears throat> where it's not on the radar. Yeah. All the time. Right. Like you said earlier, yeah. uh, if you can't measure it, it's not there. Uh, so they send you home early. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, exactly. Just, Rob, check. Were there any questions that we have from anyone? Uh, let's take a look. Rob's let's speaking see. on his computer. Let's see. Any... No? Okay. no questions. If there's any questions, folks, please feel free to type them in and we'll get to them. Uh, Clayton, I wanted to go back to brain mm-hmm. injuries. And ask you, uh, you know, we're seeing more traumatic brain injuries in the younger population. Is there anything that parents can do to help mitigate that and prevent that? Yeah, I think like, um, you know, in the old days, whenever we got a brain, well, more like a concussion or bumped um, during a soccer game or a football game or something, we often, because we're trying to win the game, we brush it off and we get up and we go and we get back into the game. You know, I think a lot of like post practice is really important. I do think um, it's important to have, it's important to have like trainers that are actually biomechanically observant um, that can read their child or their, their athlete, but also ones that also believe it or not, it applies to them. We need the vernacular to talk to a, a good acupuncturist or a physical therapist, um, in which case they can cue us to help them too. So I think it is good for young people, especially teenagers, to actually be exposed to acupuncture um, at an early start. And let me explain why. I got into this at age like 10 to change life. So, you know, I, I didn't really have consistently taking aspirin until I was like in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And that was probably because of paperwork or something, you know, <laughs> like not the injury, <laughs> you know. So like when you're exposed this early to something like Chinese medicine or, or other forms of medicine, it changes your whole perspective on empowerment, on healthcare, And because of the way we talk and work with our patients, that, that teenager will actually know that they have a choice and that they can ask help, um, that they'll admit that they are seeing spots in their vision or dizziness, you know, um, because we, we fight, our, our body's always in a state of flux. We're always fighting for balance, you know, yet somehow the, the 2 million or 100 million chemical reactions in our body always equals that one temperature that our body's at. So we, you know, we're always trying to reach homeostasis, but the nice thing is to, as I would start my child, maybe not at five or eight years old, but definitely like, you know, from age 14 and up, like get them, get them to know their, their acupuncturist or their chiropractor or what have you and change their perspective on healthcare from the start. So so, I'm going to yeah. actually disagree with that. I think four four years old, like my kids were exposed because I was in acupuncture school when I got pregnant and they, it's a normal part of their life now. Like they think they're like, Oh, I feel like I'm having a cold. Let me go take a gone Ling. So I, I 
I'm good with them being exposed as yeah. young as four years old <laughs> and, and having, yeah. like I volunteer, I've volunteered with friends who are teachers to go in and talk to the kids in the schools so that they know who we are and, and don't yeah. think of us as like this scary place, right. you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was speaking in relation to concussions and yeah. athletes, but that, no, definitely you know, just like there's like Yin Chow Jr. and yeah. <laughs> like there's some yeah. amazing like children's formulas and yep. and um, yeah, for sure there's amazing like pediatric techniques where right we do Neji yeah. up the spine and we massage through there and and all that. So, yeah. yeah. So let me let me resend that and uh, <laughs> widen my answer I'm a little just bit. Jersey, so. I, I bust chops, so I'm sorry. My so, my my future children will be at your office. I once heard a colleague say that uh, be, by the age of five, most children have had a concussion from playing in wow. film. This is Todd Ayla Wolf, by the way. Who mentioned. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so uh, I think it's great that there's what you're advocating is more awareness on the training part, the professional side and early intervention, right? Is to, yeah bring these kids in as soon as it happens. I, I noticed um, I was watching a football game and they said that uh, some player, he, he didn't maybe have a concussion, but he had sustained enough uh, injury that they were preempting it and p taking him out of the game, which is a huge difference from yeah. five, five, 10 years ago where, where they were. So I watched uh, something and, and I'm not a sports person. Let me just say I'm not a sports person. Um, and I watched it only because my cousin's son is at Princeton University and he's a football player. And it was basically on like the and I would have never known this otherwise that um, there is a lifetime for the helmets. Yeah. <clears throat> all these different things. And, you know, in talking to you guys that you both spe specialize in neurology, I feel that colleges and football teams should have acupuncturists as part of their, you know, medical staff to be dealing with this from mm -hmm. that and help the healing and, you know, return the brain function back to normal faster. Yeah. So oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, definitely. Because the acupuncture has a, a direct effect on neuroplasticity. That's like a big, it's a, it's another big concept that has changed the landscape of medicine. Um, Knowing that the brain can yeah. be malleable. Right. And they can heal and that nerves can actually heal because basically it was Christopher Reeves who had um, unfortunately suffered a major injury from horseback riding, but he was so determined um, to know and, and to know the research, the real research that can be done to see whether or not nerves can heal. And, you know, the bottom line is it can, um, and that really opened the door and pushed, um, pushed all these other new frontiers into like how we look at the brain and how we look at nerves and, and how nerves are plastic. They can be remolded. They can be reshaped and stuff, Healed. you know? Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's a major thing. I think, I think you'll see a lot more of acupuncturists in the different um, sports teams at many levels now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A week doesn't go by in my office where someone doesn't come in and say, well, I have nerve damage. And I say, well, let's talk about that. And they say, what, really? You can mm -hmm. work on that? They think and they're it's, in it's, for something completely different. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd start 
from the head to the toe, we find out that they have difficulty walking or they're unclear about steps or their features hurt all the time. And it's just something that they've come to be um, totally acclimated to. Right. Yeah. So, have to live with this and no, tolerate it. And they don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's still, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, Western medical doctors, they're still wrapping their head around this can is treat lower back pain, you know, and right. <laughs> you know, well, here we yeah. are talking about like, you know, speech paralysis and this and that. And that's, right. that's like on another, like, you know, frontier there in their minds. So. So I, I wanted to make sure that we also talk about that you have a new project that you've been working on during the pandemic with working with herbs, um, specifically with um, astragalus, to help with some of the post-COVID things that are going on. Um, Christian, can you oh, just, yeah. I just want people to see that so that they can look for um just so they have an image of this and we'll share a picture of it on the feed after. So talk to us a little bit about shoe botanicals and what's going on and, and the progress that you've made and things that you've seen post COVID. Sure. So, um, so when the country was uh, shut down basically and New York city was like the epicenter. Um, thank you, Christian. <laughs> um, uh, I actually, got COVID myself and I had lost my sense of taste and smell and was having some breathing issues and, you know, and stuff. So, and so it got me into this, like, I felt like I was wearing a glove around my head, my body. And it really made me re-research, okay, how can we help like breathing and restore taste? Because when you think about it, like the cranial nerve, the first granola that controls olfactory, which is like your sense of smell, um, it's a major, major sense organ um, because your tongue only senses like bitter, sour, sweet, um, uh, bitter, sour, sweet, and like spicy, you know? So, so what happened was I have this uh, friend and she happens to own an Indonesian skin did we lose Clayton? Her name is, and we, and so she was sharing with me. Clayton, could you go back a step oh, or two? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you now. We, we lost you right as you started talking about your Indonesian friend. Yeah. So, uh, I have this Indonesian friend and colleague and she has this amazing Indonesian, um, skincare company and they use Indonesian herbs and it's called Juara. And, uh, her name is Meta Madura. And so we, during the pandemic, we started talking and sharing more and more about um, the Indonesian herbal approach and also the Chinese medicine herbal approach. And these conversations kept progressing where we, we were already thinking that, okay, as the pandemic was spreading, that it would re-spread again, almost like a second second wave and stuff. So, and I had thought about how, like, well, we really want to affect breathing and um, like treat those kind of symptoms and try to restore breathing, respiration, you know, oxygen. And one of the herbs that I talked about was astragalus. Um, now the thing is, is um, with Drara and uh, Meta's company is they embrace what's called Jamu and Jamu is the Indonesian um, herbal principles that, that they use in their culture. But 
it's very like it's just a part of their life when you when you go to Indonesia. So the three principles are the enjoyment of self care, like they enjoy taking care of themselves. Um, they enjoy the pleasure of the senses, um, and so and they also have what's called a warong, which is which implies which means wooden table, but it implies community that you have community among people, you know. And so with those three kind of pillars, as she and I were talking, we realized like, you know, like we, we want to help people better with self-care, but we want to like, we wanted to fuse Indonesian herbs with Chinese medicine herbs. Um, and so we had begun a project starting almost like eight months ago. And it just started through, through conversations and, and that whole community part, we're doing it in the world today. We're using Zoom. So it's almost like Zoom is this, war on wooden table that allows us to feel connected to the world again and so as this started happening we we're trying to see well which herbs can we use and so i brought another friend in um named chris langer and he he has um this amazing other herbal company that, that helps make really highly refined serums so we made this super refined um herbal serum of astragalus that's very very potent. And what we did was we married it to the base, um, the base creams of, of drawer skincare products. And why did I want to do that is that, you know, every couple of decades, I always feel I've been in this profession for a long time and I can see that it keeps elevating, you know, um, just the way we're talking about professionals wanting to use acupuncture more. To me, that means the profession's elevating. We're not hiding um, you know, and also that that even once in a while insurance may cover acupuncture. That's that's like a huge, like huge step. It's like a huge life changing step in the world. You know, so us fuse Indonesian herbs and turmeric, and also with astragalus, we made this cream that that became it just covered this full spectrum of stuff and um, and of symptoms. Sorry. You know, where we would use it, where we would actually put it on our wrists and put it around the throat. And you can actually feel like you're breathing better. Actually test it with like a pulse oximeter to see that the oxygen level in our blood was actually changing. Um, and then I would also put it on my neck, that neck pain and wrist pain. And because astragalus is so amazing, it leaches out dampness and cold, which causes pain in your tendons and in your bones. And so it actually had that effect as well. So this, this uh, full spectrum of Huangqi cream became a, really a beautiful fusion of TCM with Indonesian herbs um, and having the sophistication of the Juara company was such a treat because I love hip medicines and I love pulses. You know, but I don't want to put a pulse on and put this white jacket on. Then you'll see a brown stain behind my shoulder. <laughs> my shoulder may feel better, but like my friends think I rolled in like, you know, dog poop or something. So, <laughs> you know, or sometimes when I, you know, I put a great liniment and I put it on and my friends think I'm like putting soy sauce on my body. <laughs> you know? So the, the beauty of the, the Juara creams and the base creams is that it, it, we made it so it infuses with the TCM herbs. Um, it it actually keeps it moist. It's very smooth, right? And you think, you just feel like you got, basically you actually feel like you bought a cream at like Sephora or some like botanical place. 
but it's got a very high level, very refined, concentrated uh, uh, level of long chi, astragalus, and other Chinese and Indonesian herbs in it. So, yeah. Very cool. What color is it? It's actually like off green and white. So okay. for now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I can show you how we do it if you want. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm anxious. Yeah, it'll be ready. Uh, it'll be ready in April, but um, we'll have a little sign in the podcast. So if you want to email us and, and we also our email pre-order. We, we linked your info. We have a link tree that has um, listings of our guests so that, you know, people can navigate to your website and follow you as well um, and right. get info. Okay. Great. So um, do we have any? We have other a question. Questions? We do. Yeah. Uh, from Hillary. Recently, I've been reading research that observed in the West. We've spent too much time focusing on GI health, gut health, to fix many health issues while unfortunately not achieving optimal results. Instead, it would be beneficial to focus on brain health first, meditation, cold therapies, breathing techniques, Reiki, etc. Would you agree or disagree? Hmm. I think I think, I think that they're both intertwined. So um, that's why they're they're two ends of the same ruler, you know. Um, so it's true. You you have to actually focus on both so that they can meet in the middle. Um, yeah. A lot of what we do with the neuroflush and the nanopuncture method is to directly, directly stimulate healthy blood flow, right? Um, and I find that that connection, in which case, I, in some ways, I do agree with Hillary that, yes, a person walks better after having their brain stimulated, um, even if they're walking difficultly or they're not moving their arm or speaking better. But the digestive system is the engine of the body. Um, you know, it's where the fuel comes from, so it's still connected. So um, the best thing to do is like a comprehensive approach where, let's say, X percentage is concentrated on the brain you know, another X percentage is concentrated on the digestive system. And then finally, another percentage of it is the patient doing the work. They have to, they actually have to like strengthen their shin and get that like zest for life back. That's, that can actually, you know, derail everything, right? Whether yeah. you're trying to lose weight or, or walk or what have you. Yeah. yeah. If you remember the end of 9,000 needles, uh, the, the subject, um, I forget his name right now. He's frustrated and angry, and the his, his uh, physical therapist helper is. You, you got to get your head right. You, you know, you've got to focus on getting better. You can't just rely on the physical. Right. You know, yeah. So it really maps very well with that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have some thoughts on that question? I I think both are important. Yeah. I I but I think that for um. Eastern practitioners, we're viewing digestion very differently than, um, like strong. Di to me, it's always if your digestion is strong, then it's making the chi and blood to then fix other things. Like right. for me, it's not just the needles. If you come into my office and you eat McDonald's and garbage all the time, sure. 
you're not giving me very good chi and blood to move to around to heal the other <clears throat> things. Right. And and then right. you've wrecked your digestion, so now I have to strengthen your digestion so that when you put good food in, that you can make use of that good food. Right. So right. I, I think it's both the brain and... Sure. But there's a very strong right. brain connection that we can't even begin to get into right now. We could do a whole other yeah, podcast on that, the, the brain gut connection sure. and how important that is. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, any other questions that we have? No, Anything else that you wanted to share, Clayton? No, yeah, good. I can show you just the, um, let me take this jacket off. I'll show you just how unique this, um, this full spectrum Huangqi cream is. So what's really different about it, and a lot of it's because of how potent um, our Huangqi serum is, which we've been perfecting, is that unlike many creams or even herbs, you do not swallow the Huangqi. In this um, instance. Right. You actually will take, you'll just take it. There, you yeah. put it on your wrist like this, okay? And you literally just do this, okay? And you actually will massage it through and up the lung and heart channel like this, okay? And take it and you'll for, massage for, it up and down like that. Yeah. For people who are just listening, it's on the inside of the... the exactly, heart. yeah. And then... After about like 30 minutes, you actually we've actually given it to asthma patients, okay, and they actually started breathing better. So right. they're it's pretty amazing. So um, you could put a little bit like around the throat or on the chest, but yeah. this is the beauty of this. We're actually we're actually making sure we massage it into the lung and heart meridians. Right, and this is what's like highly unusual about it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah. So, you're, so you're not only applying it, you're stimulating the channel yeah. at the same time. Right. Yeah. And that's an important thing that uh, had developed from our conversations when we were developing this was that people want a daily ritual to get through these difficult times. Right. You want to make sure that you follow your ritual, whether you're getting on the Peloton bike, you know, then eating a protein shake, whatever it is. Right. right. You want to stick through it. And you also want to stay connected to your doctors, your herbalists, your neurologists, et cetera. Like, do not, do not let any of this, like, you lapse. know, yeah, lapse and make you not sharp enough to know what you have to do. Um, you know, so you want to definitely, uh, it's a big part of, of health is to stick to these rituals. And that's a, that's a big part of what you'll be probably hearing from me at Juara and the shoe botanicals is we'll be designing products that will help your daily rituals, keep your respiration stronger, keep your immune system stronger too. Um, yeah. So. Excellent. Well, mm. I want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your info with us. Um, <laughs> a little bit of housekeeping to do. <laughs> so I just want to remind our listeners that the Practical Medicine Podcast is now available on Spotify, Pandora, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. 
as well as being able to watch the replays right here on Facebook. Um, make sure you're following us on Instagram, that you have liked and followed us on Facebook. You can find information about our practices, Dr. Rob and I, on our Linktree page. Uh, Dr. Rob's practice is the Atlantic Center, and it is located in Neptune, New Jersey. Mine is Natural Alternative Center for Wellness, and it is in Allentown, NJ, not PA. Don't go there. Yeah, don't go to PA. <laughs> Just a reminder that we have switched to a weekly recording. Um, and if we have some lengthy topics, that we might extend them into two episodes. And our next episode next week will be in honor of February being National Heart Health Month. Uh, and we're going to talk about heart health from a TCM perspective, some Western um, things that you need to be aware of. And then the, for the last week of February, we will be welcoming Dr. Daryl Thuroff, who is not just a licensed acupuncturist like me. She also wears the same hat of being a massage therapist. And I think that's all the housekeeping. There is one more comment from Daryl. <clears throat> Maybe she missed the part about the pulse ox. And, and the question was, are there any other ways of measuring the efficacy of the lotion? And like the pulse ox, perhaps. Yes, you can. Um, I would recommend a blood pressure cuff, pulse ox. Um, and also uh, just for pain relief. Um, actually we still use like the one to 10, you know, uh, international standard. Yeah. So, but this is the first cream that anyone has ever said that you can use these devices to actually see if this cream is effective. So, so I can't wait cool. to, yeah. um, yeah, I guess the other thing you out, so, is uh, yeah. count the number of breaths per minute. That, yeah, that's true too. Counting the number of breaths. Well, of course, without letting yeah. them know. Excellent. Yeah, Thank you again. Cool. Sure. Thank you, Christian, yeah. for being our tech support. We yep. appreciate yep. it. And we will see everyone next week. Yes. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute.